This week on Recruitment Flex, two recruitment influencers, Serge and Shelly, that will not burn down your brand like Kanye. Call us. Trick or treat. What exactly is Indeed trying to pull here? And AppCast releases its 2023 recruiting trends and it's full of great nuggets. Chick-fil-A in Miami. Maybe it's found their right recruitment mix. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge. And as always, joined by my lovely co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. Hey, Shelly, how many kids did you get at Halloween? Oh, four. You had four? I had four. I got one. One kid. It's crazy. So where do you take your girls? Do you go around your neighborhood? So I live in a cul-de-sac, like a pretty big cul-de-sac. Yeah. Like, it's a nice neighborhood, like nothing special, but we were the only kids in the cul-de-sac. And we go earlier, right? Because the kids are younger. But everyone was saying, you're the only kids we've had. We brought the three girls around the cul-de-sac and they loved it. But the younger ones by house 10, they're like, I'm tired. (laughs) And she's dragging the bag with the candy behind and like, can you carry me? Eventually, I want to go home. Do you think the seven-year-old wanted to go home? Absolutely not. So we left the twins with our parents-in-law and we brought to Mallory. It was great. She loved it. She got three bags full of candies. Then I'm reading like there's Facebook groups for your neighborhood. I don't know if you you follow those. And some of our neighbors like in the neighborhood got 350 kids. Insane amounts. It's just no one came to the part of our neighborhood for some reason. Mm. I'm surprised you only got four because your townhouses all right next to each other is you literally can do 50 doors in 20 minutes. I'm shocked by that. You would think so. However, it's mostly professionals. There's only two, three that I know of that have kids that live in this kind of complex. It's mostly people that work at the university or the hospital that live in this area. So there's two families that came by. So cute. Oh my goodness. I was just appreciative to have a few kids, but I only bought one little box and handed it to this one little trick-or-treater, some Smarties. And I thought he was going to explode. He turns around and looks at his dad and he was just screaming, I got Smarties. I'm like, okay, this is all worth it. So I just how much it. candy do you give? I have this little bowl that looks like a pumpkin yeah. and I fill it up the little snack size of chocolates, right? They'll hold out their little bucket and I'll go, oops, and I'll just dump the whole thing in their little bucket. Because okay. I knew I wasn't going to get many kids, right? Well, and I have a whole strategy. Oh, we dude, have, what is it? Well, we have those chocolate bars and then we have a candy of some type. This year was those bracelets that you can eat yeah. and then a bag of chips. And it's funny because... My father-in-law was going to be handing out the candy and I warned him because he's the type, even with our kids, it's like, here's a candy, like you'll ration it into 20 different pieces because <laughs> no. he's coming from the generation of growing up in England after the depression and the war. <laughs> so he was shocked that we we're giving out three candies. You thought you should give out toothbrushes? Potentially, right? <laughs> And, and we had to warn him, like, but no one came while we were out. So Aww. the only kid we got is when we're there. So anyways, it, it was ton of fun. The girls were so cute. One in a dragon, the other one in a panda. And oh, what was the third one? 
a minion? A bumblebee? No. She's a ladybug. 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 Right. Yes. So it was cute. So cute in their outfits and going out and being so polite. I was so proud of them. Oh, that is so fun. So Um, what's going on in the world? Did you hear Kanye West was in the news this week? I guess he decided he's untouchable. Like that's the vibe I get from him is he just thinks he can do and say anything he wants. But the big brands that would endorse him, they're like, yeah, I've had enough of this. It got me thinking about influencers, whether they be like TikTok influencers and companies are so quick to jump on the bandwagon because they're getting so much attention in the moment. And then let me tell you, the bigger they are, the harder they fall, right? Because he had some of the biggest brands endorsing him and they all pulled out once. I think he made some inappropriate tweets he had some very anti-semitic statements that were very inappropriate and we're very influential society and kanye is a very influential person right um was and and still is and in a lot of ways like we're seeing it the thing is if you look at adidas and the yeezy brand which is the shoes, the most ridiculous looking shoes that you'll ever see. I, I still am shocked that anyone bought those shoes, but I'll tell you, a lot of people bought those $400 pair of sneakers because of Yeezy and because of the cool factor of it. It, it re-energized Adidas, right? With mm. that partnership. Like Adidas was in deep financial trouble and this re-energized them. When we talk about being with an influencer or not, I think this is a little bit different because he was the creative mind behind those sneakers or whatever you feel yeah. about them. People bought them. They made billions of dollars. It ended, right? And they actually got good PR of it ending. I don't know if you saw the advertising where... They actually put a tweet out with the logo Adidas and it said B, then Y E. So his new name, E. And that gathered critical acclaim of how they let him go and saying bye. They had to. They had no choice. Even though he publicly came out and he's like, Adidas never gonna let me go. Like they can't. And they did. His net worth went from two billion to like half a billion within a week. It's sad because I think he's going through some type of manic episode. Mm. But to your point, how you align yourself with influencers, you got to be really careful. I'm not against it. Influencer marketing works. It's the reality. If you're on TikTok and you're Charlie DeMello or whoever, like the big TikTok star, man, she sells a shitload of stuff. All of these influencers, they carry weight. So as a brand, maybe it makes sense. To me, it is jumping on a bit of a wave, a huge wave. Obviously, the tide lifts with it and the brand goes with whoever the influencer. I do agree with you. I think that Kanye is maybe having a bit of a a mental breakdown or some sort of emotional breakdown to be so hateful and be so publicly hateful and believe that there's no repercussions. Maybe you're so wealthy, you've lost touch with reality. And I'm not a shrink. I don't know. I'm not diagnosing him, but... It's kind of the way it looks. So, Um, Shelly, in that point, if you're a company and looking for recruitment influencers, (laughs) speaking of influencers, we're not going to have any manic episodes. So you don't have to worry about attaching your brand to the recruitment flex or Shelly Billinghurst or search. Yeah. Um, Please call us. I'm I'm completely open. I charge less than Kylie Jenner. I do want to talk quickly about a couple of events. Disrupt HR in Calgary, if you don't have your ticket, 
the lovely hosts of Serge and Shelly of the Recruitment Flex. It's going to be mm -hmm. a fantastic event. Mm -hmm. And then there is a Canadian Recruiter Network group coming up as well. And I think they're almost sold out of tickets. Calgary, 24th of November. And Vancouver, it's like in a week. So 9th of November, get your tickets now. It's $15. You get to meet all your colleagues and it'll be a great fun. So CanadianRecruiter.ca forward slash events view. Go buy your ticket. Yeah. Let's jump into the recruitment insights. And Shelly, I'll let you go first. Okay. So this week, something that is being talked about, and I think there's a lot more to learn there's a lot more to understand. Indeed is changing or will be changing in the new year, the way that they charge for job postings. Shelly, before we go further, I was trying to find info and we know it's changing in the US. Is yes. it the same timeline in Canada and Europe and across the world? Because it's January 1st, 2023. Do you know? No, I do not. There has been no indication that it's just going to be this rolled out across the board. My understanding is that Indeed is moving to a cost per applicant model. There are companies and certain organizations in the US that are already doing the first round. And as they always do, they roll it out to a select group of clients, get feedback. My understanding, this was US, and this will be in the first half of the year yes. in 2023. I did not get any information on pricing how it's going to be priced, what is the mathematical model on it. But it is something that indeed was very clear at FutureWorks to say that the cost per applicant model is coming. It was quite definitive yeah. that they're moving to this and away from a cost per click. Now, I'll toss it over to you, Serge, or I can give you my initial Keep thoughts. Keep going. Keep going. Yeah. Okay. Because I do want to hear your perspective because you certainly have an extremely deep understanding of how this all works. Whereas I, I do believe most recruiters, HR people included in that, really have just started to get their head around what cost per click was. I don't think anybody really gave a shit of what cost per click was. Because at the end of the day, all I care about is applicants. And I'm speaking in huge generalities, like the real savvy talent acquisition professional who's got several strategies. They're not just posting a job and saying, well, I need at least 50 applicants to make a hire. So to start a complicated conversation, it only makes people feel stupid. Do I care about how many clicks? No, because I don't understand the algorithm to begin with. And quite frankly, just fucking find me somebody, right? They want the system to do the work for them. They've got yeah. a bazillion other things to do. Anyways, I don't know about pricing. I know the initial feedback from recruiters has been so far so good. Most of it has been positive. You know, you're setting what are you willing to pay for is kind of the impression I get. And I know there's a slippery slope with that because everybody wants everything for free. So tell me, what was your first impression? You've known this for a long time that job boards would move to a cost per applicant. Well, they, they've been talking about this particular model indeed for a while, right? This yeah. has been part of the discussion internally. And I think they've even come out that this is the model where they want to get to. And their theory is let's get closer to applications, which in some ways makes sense. So here is where I'm at. There's a couple of things and kudos to indeed here because I'm going to call out everyone in talent acquisition here. Indeed has filled gaps 
in the market that we have been so bad at filling. If we look at the application model of most companies, it's still horrible. There is even a recent SHRM article that came out that 92% of people are dropping out of applications. And I had an example this morning of a company that was using, I'll call them out, success factors. I was at 51 clicks, which is the average of most jobs, 51 clicks before you get to an application. And I wasn't like a quarter true. Uh, so this is a ex- client using success factors. This is a client using got it, success got it. factors. Yeah. What was their problem? A, well, they're not getting enough applications, uh, right? Really? Yeah. So the intent is all there. I'm looking at the intents. I can see the data going through. And then suddenly it drops off dramatically when it gets to the customer. And I'm trying to figure out how can I help them. So I'm going to go through the application process. It's an electrician role, first of all. I can only apply with a desktop. Like how many electricians that desktop is their primary source of going on the internet? Very few, right? Any trades, the data is very clear that trades use a mobile phone to do everything. And I get that. What Indeed has done initially with their one-click apply and with their talent platform is they've simplified it so much better. So companies are forced to use those platforms and live in the Indeed ecosystem because the other alternatives are so bad and the opportunity to even change your ATS from a success factors to something that is fucking decent. Usually they switch and they go to Workday or Altipro, Oracle Recruiting Cloud and so bad. So Indeed be like, well, let's fix it for you. But in doing that, and this is a genius, is you become wholly reliant on Indeed. Because we are bad at what we do in talent acquisition, Indeed has found a hole and they're kind of filling it and they're getting applicants. So kudos to Indeed on that end. They also have spent 15, 20 years educating the market on cost per click. And it got to a point that people understand cost per click, maybe not in depth, but they have an idea of how it works, where if you ask 10 years ago, no one had a frigging clue. So Indeed, again, comes in with a model that's like, screw this duration-based model. This is so much easier. You're only paying if you get clicks. Not realizing companies, if you're putting a monthly budget, that budget is going to be spent. If you are in Indeed in a cost per click model... Look at your clicks in the last three days, because if you're not trending in the right way, they're putting it in front of everyone. We're making sure that budget is spent. That's indeed just knowing exactly, hey, we're going to get you to clicks. This is where it falls apart. They're moving to a cost per applicant model because they want to confuse the market. They are getting hammered with programmatic in the US. They know if you are on programmatic that 50 to 60% of your clicks are total waste and programmatic is calling it out and adjusting your budget accordingly. They don't know how to adjust to that. So US, which is the only market in the world that programmatic is substantial. Europe, they don't even know what programmatic is. This is where they know that programmatic is a huge issue. And they have introduced this cost per applicant for a couple of reasons. Confuse the market, which they will, like you pointed it out. And secondly, instead of charging a dollar for the click, they're now charging $20 for exactly the same click. Like 10 years ago, you click on it, it goes to your company site. Then they introduce this two panes. So you click on it, goes to that second pane. Then you click again, it goes to company page. Now. You're going to click applying company site, goes directly to it. So instead of paying potentially a dollar, we don't know what the pricing is. Is it going to be 10, 
$20. So for that same click, they're multiplying that charge. You don't know that. Oh, uh, let's see what the price is. You'll tell me if I'm wrong. I do not know. I do not know. Yeah. So that's the other big thing too. Programmatic is looking to also have Indeed's traffic. They need it. You can't just bypass Indeed. Uh, it potentially, right? You just mentioned Indeed is filling a gap in the market. Here is a couple of things they've done to try to eliminate the thought. I'm not going to get qualified applicants. They're going to introduce screening questions. I still don't know how that works with the wine click apply. I don't know if they talked about that during. Uh, yeah, I've got full so how So how is that going to work? Previously, you had yes, no knockout questions, right? So you have the option to just use the simple yes, no, or you can go to an enhanced. And so the way it shows to the job seeker is it says the employer would like you to answer these few questions, which ironically, a lot of applicant tracking systems did, which we have criticized over and over again, don't make people answer these questions before they can even apply for the job. Now we're doing it. It's happening. That's exactly what they're doing. And so you can create more specific questions that give a variety of answers. Something so simple as, are you legally able to work in Canada? We gave them a yes or no option. Just by that very notion forces a job seeker to lie. I may have my landed immigrant papers ready. I have been accepted. Everything's ready to go. All I need is a job offer because I'm already through the process. It's all I need is to get a job. But if you give them only a yes, no, and they say yes, yes, I am legal to work in Canada. I just need a company that's got an LMIA or temporary foreign worker status, et cetera. Still doesn't stop the job seeker from trying to game it, right? However, once a job seeker has come through, answered the questions, again, right now, this isn't pilot. This could change. So. Don't quote me on this. Right now, it's 72 hours. And if you look at that job seeker and you go, "Mm, no, you can reject them and you won't pay for them. This is where the genius of Indeed comes in. Because Indeed knows they have the data that no fucking recruiter is going within 72 hours, right? The data is very clear. And again, not Indeed's fault. It's our incompetence. Because we reach out to people applying for our waitress job 21 days after. It's a big gap. 72 hours. I get it. They know they're not going to get to it. They know that. That was my first response. Okay. When I was talking to the powers that be, product managers at FutureWorks, I'm like, well, if you are going to compete, this is about speed. If you're going to wait until your posting closes, and your posting close date is two weeks from now, you get what you deserve. Give me a break. If you're going to load up a recruiter with 80 open recs and think that's a good way to manage your talent acquisition process, then you know what? Maybe you should have to pay more. I don't disagree. I'm Mm. not saying this is a bad thing. As Chad Sowash said, it's indeed being an evil genius because they know exactly what the flaws are in talent acquisition departments. And this is a way to milk it, milk it like crazy, make as much money as possible. And in theory, they're forcing the issues that are bad in talent acquisition, knowing very well that it's not going to get fixed. And maybe they don't care. Quite honestly, Serge, this is a corporate budget. Maybe you would treat it like it was your own wallet because you're a highly moral person. 
But let's get serious. These are corporate recruiters that are put in a role. There is a corporate budget to be spent. And it is their job to advocate for the tools and the training that they need. You're not spending your grocery money on this. This is corporate money. So spend it wisely. You want the easiest solution. Then a vendor that is offering you the lazy person's way out and you've got the corporate budget to support it. Fine. You get what you pay for. Well, fair enough. The thing is where I feel very sad. And the reason we started this show is we have to be talent acquisition professionals. And if you were a marketer and your only source was Facebook advertising and Facebook advertising changes their algorithm and now you're fucked, which has happened to a ton of people, you're Mm -hmm. fired and your business is probably out. In recruitment, I think Jim Durbin on Chad and Cheese said this, the Indeed whisper is like a single point of failure is never a good idea. So as talent acquisition professionals, yes, use Indeed. There's a ton of job seekers in Indeed. You'd be crazy not to be on Indeed in some ways. But there is multiple sources of different audiences that are outside the job boards and job boards. You got to figure out a way how to get those sources of candidates. If you are a small business, I know you disagree with this. It's very tough to compete with that talent against the big companies. And what happens if something changes on Indeed? 90 to 100% of your candidates are coming from one place. Man, that's bad management. We're going to keep a close eye on this, but I'm going to make one prediction. Five years from now, we're going to talk about Indeed, and we are going to go back to this discussion and say, this is the moment that Indeed started going downhill. This is not going to work. We have seen this with consumer marketing trying exactly the same approach, a charge if they actually buy, that has failed miserably, and they've gone back to the cost per click model. And we know what happens in consumer marketing generally happens in recruitment marketing. I do not think Indeed will retract. They're full bore and they have the data. They know how much money they're going to make. They are data rich. They're fucking smart and they are a well-run organization. But don't think they're doing this for you. They're doing this to make more money by solving a problem, right? Fair enough. And that's like capitalism. So great. They're going to make a ton of money with it, but eventually mm-hmm. it's going to draw. This is the beginning of the end for Indeed. Mark my word, Shelly Billinghurst. Let's move to a company that I admire. So oh, AppCast, yes. these are must read every time AppCast comes mm-hmm. out with a different report because after Indeed, they probably have the most data in the market. Mm-hmm. And the type of insights they actually share, I think, are extremely valuable. And we'll add it into the show notes to AppCast to download their top recruiting trends for 2023 because there's a ton of great nuggets in there. And I want to talk about a couple of them. One that we've been talking, I think you've been very adamant that we're kind of scaring ourselves that hiring is going to pull back dramatically. They're expecting the economy to slow down a little bit, but we're seeing all these tech layoffs. But the data It's definitely not showing that because there is still the equivalent to 1.7 positions for every unemployed person out there. What was your thought on that first point? What are you thinking there? Well, I've been saying it from the beginning. I know there's a lot of fear around, oh, we're going into a recession. Yes, there's uncertainty. But am I seeing it in hiring numbers? No, it's a drastic drop from, say, Q4 of last year. Because if you look at the end of 2021, it was like being on a roller coaster going straight up. 
it was really hectic out there. Things that we weren't necessarily prepared for or saw coming was the number of people that were either going to retire, not come back to work, or just quit and go work somewhere else. So there was a lot of change in the market. Now, as things calm down, what this report is saying, hold on, everybody, let's just take the lens out and look a little further. Where are we at compared to before all hell broke loose in 2020? Yes, things have slowed down here in the last two quarters in a row, but we don't see that many jobs getting filled because the problem still exists of the number of people that retired and who's available in the market. I don't think it's quite the drama that some people were predicting two quarters ago. How do you stand out in a very tight market? That's not going to change because you're still going to be competing for top talent. And one of the things that they're very clear and we just talked about it is most applications are coming through mobile phones, but most companies are not set up to be able to take a reasonable application process through mobile phones. We're talking about 12 to 40% more, like it's a big gap. So I thought it was interesting just to get a sense of maybe it is not as aggressive or we're worried a little bit too much because I do trust in the data they have. But again, we don't know what's going to happen. Is a bomb going to drop somewhere and then suddenly the economy collapse? The trends are not showing that right now. The one I want to jump to, too, is trend number six. And this goes to exactly what we just talked about is moving beyond job boards to an automated multi-channel approach will be critical. Job seekers are very clear that job boards are the place they want to go look for jobs, right? It removes confusion. It's clear. It feels legit. But again... You need to cast a wide net across the board. You need to figure out where those mm -hmm. job seekers are and leverage all of them, right? You figure out the ones that get the best results, but you can't rely on one single source anymore because you're going to be left out in the market. So anything on that one? Do you agree, disagree? Well, of course I agree. I think it begins with understanding how job seekers behave and where they go, what they do, what's important to them, what we call recruitment marketing 101, and knowing that not everyone knows who you are, right? Channel diversification, as they're pointing out, is being aware that when somebody is looking for work, where do they look? Who do they talk to? And corporate reputation is going to have all of those things affect where they decide to apply to. Yeah, no argument out of me. What about trend Definitely. number seven? What's your thoughts there? So I love this because it really speaks to what we just talked about. And that is how much of a budget are you going to have and how much of it are you utilizing properly? This particular insight was hiring organizations will focus less on spend and more on the metrics that matter. Okay. So what matters? Time to fill, quality of applicants and the cost to the organization of leaving a job vacant. How long it takes you to fill a vacant role has a financial impact to the organization. If we just simply rely on days to hire or how long you have to have something posted versus the cost of unfilled roles per day and having metrics in talent acquisition that is measured by time and money is the trend for 2023. Yeah, I, I wholeheartedly agree. And one set of metrics that I really admire is smart recruiters hiring success model because they look at 
couple key criteria is what is the quality and we're measured by a very similar score as an NPS. At least it gives us a better ID, even though it's still not perfect. But what should we be measuring? One of it is percentage of roles filled. And there is a cost of not filling those roles and the company never exactly. equates that. Then we look at hiring budgets. Say you are filling, I don't know, 70% of your roles on time. Yeah. And you're spending... 2% of a budget on those particular roles. Can you correlate if you spend 5% would bring you to 98% fill? How big of an impact that is? Because if you're only filling 70% of the roles and that means you need to delay a project or you can't do the project because you couldn't find the people, what are those costs associated? These now all become metrics that you go to in the organization. This is the impact. If we spend this much, now we're talking about a business decision, not my time to fill is 42 days and now it's 32 days. Well, what does that mean to the business? You're so, so right. You're so I, I, right. They don't care. Oh, good. You shaved off 10 days. So? No. Like smart recruiters is hiring budget, hiring velocity, net hiring score, and you calculate it all together. Those are very good overall because adjusting your hiring budget will affect your hiring velocity and potentially affect your net hiring score. So that's just an example. We got to be having business discussions, not metrics that don't mean anything at all to a business. We're going to spend more time on this AppCast report, but please go into it. One last topic. Yes. Go. Like Chick-fil-A. I know this is not a popular thing to say. I've tried Chick-fil-A three or four times and I still every day of the week would rather have Popeye's. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. Sorry. I know that's not popular. Everyone I don't know. Maybe love Popeye's is pretty popular, right? Just think it tastes better. It just wasn't as hot and fresh as Popeye's. But anyways. I, I like Chick-fil-A probably better than Popeye's, but I'm not completely on board with Chick-fil-A's moral and ethical values, but that's a different story. One of the things I wanted to bring up, like we talk about fast food, QSR, like quick service restaurants, retail, so hard to find people. How can we make it work well, especially for women, but for men too, is like the ability to count that I'm going to work on these days so I can make the proper arrangements. I'm managing either kids or I'm managing a secondary job because these jobs don't pay really well or whatever the case is. So what this Chick-fil-A in Miami did is they changed their work schedule. So their staff is working three days, 14 hours, and it's worked so well that they are getting hundreds of applicants because it's attractive to a lot of people. And they have 100% retention. That's freaking good. They just posted a job and they have 420 candidates. I don't even know if this is legal in Canada. I don't even know what the law is of doing that. So, Shelly, would you work 13 to 14 hour shifts three days a week? Or would you like more to work a regular shift? Because there is that option as well that you can work five days a week and a regular eight-hour shift. What would you prefer? Well, something we talked about a few episodes ago was around what it costs to get to work every day. Of course, I would rather do three days and a longer shift because I've just saved the commute cost, busing costs, childcare costs. This is a much better solution. 
So it may be more complex for some people if you're having to think about childcare for a 14-hour shift. A 12-hour shift maybe, but three 12-hour days is 36 hours, right? A 14-hour, ah, that's a bit of a stretch, but three 12-hour shifts is very doable in one week. And at the end of the day, you're probably earning more, even though your wage may not have changed. But what you're reducing is your cost to get to work. I love being able to give people options. This is brilliant. The fact that they are even thinking outside the box rather than how they do it in retail 99% of the time is here's the shift for the next month. And this is when you're working versus saying, here's some options. And if you'd like to opt into this and give it a try, you can do three 12-hour days in a row and you're done for the week. Then you've got four days off. Well, it's great for employers as well because they know the consistency. You know Mm -hmm. those people are going to be there. And then you fill in the gaps of where you don't have those full people. The retention is showing it, right? Yeah, Uh, they had 100% retention. Hundred percent. So I'm like, how does that work in Canada? I know it's different in every province. But could you have people working 14 hours days without having to pay them overtime? You can if employees sign an overtime agreement. Okay. That's okay. what I thought. So you can do the compressed work week, but it needs to be an agreement in advance and the majority of employees need to agree to it. Well, there you go. When we talk about there's no way to find staff, people don't want to work anymore and all that bullshit. Well, there is examples of people thinking a little bit outside the box and being creative and getting tons of applicants. So kudos chick-fil-a good job so shelly yes talked a lot today wow uh, yes a little We're too very much. chatty today have a great weekend and thank you again. thanks for listening thanks. imagine how fast we could solve the world's biggest problems if more SaaS startups would gain traction sooner welcome to the tech entrepreneur on the mission podcast This podcast is dedicated to sharing experiences from B2B SaaS CEOs who are going above and beyond to deliver change that is noticed. You will hear their secrets and learn what is required to build a SaaS business that the world starts talking about and keeps talking about, and how to overcome the roadblocks to do so.